Father, I thank you so much for your word and how it it speaks to every part of life. And that even passages that are a little bit more obscure as to how they relate to our daily life, uh, Father, it's still, it's your word, and it's living, and it's sharp, and it's meant to divide between those things of our heart that are of you and those things that are not of you. And so, Father, I just pray that today you would allow your word to pierce our hearts and convict us and to draw us to rely more on you than on ourselves. In your name, amen. You may be seated. So, in the movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, if you remember at the beginning, Bilbo Baggins is having a birthday party for himself. And during his speech, he says, I don't know half of you half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. It's obvious through the statement that... uh, He has a little bit of selfish tendencies here. Uh, This is just before he puts on the magic ring uh, and disappears completely. Sorry. It's in the first five minutes. But he shows back up in the hobbit hole and he's speaking with the wizard Gandalf and Gandalf is trying to encourage him to give up this ring and, uh, and he doesn't want to. He... He has this addiction to the power, to the... Somehow this ring has a hold on him. And it's not in the disappearing and reappearing that it, it is bad, um, but it's the way in which he's using it. And it's, it's this freedom that he has that he's using, and it's offending his family. He wants to just completely disappear. Um, he's worried about his family members coming after him for his, his money or his hobbit hole. Um, but Bilbo is just using this ring to please himself. And I think that we all are a little bit like Bilbo, um, a little bit more than we would like to admit. And let's think about the ring you know, as freedoms in our own life, freedoms that we would like to keep and end up offending those around us. The Corinthians here in this passage um, are also dealing with certain freedoms and how they may offend their brothers in Christ or even non-believers. I'd like you to think of someone that you've offended in the past or, or even someone who has offended you. What was the root cause of that offense? Was it selfishness? self-centered thinking. I titled the sermon Free to be Offended. And by the end of the sermon, I hope that you can agree with me that it's great to be offended. And it's even better to be offended at your own expense to build people up. So, my three points today are how to offend someone, how to build someone up, and how to reconcile with someone. So, 
how to offend someone. Obviously, this is a bit of tongue-in-cheek. I'm sure we all know how to offend someone. It's easy for us to be offended. However, we rarely mean to offend others. We don't mean to be an offense. It just kind of happens. I've got a neighbor who they insist on honking their horn for many different reasons at many different times of the day. It's a convenience thing for them. They'll call their kids to the car, honk, honk, honk. They'll, uh, you know, wave, you know, wave goodbye by honking. They'll, you know, it's just, it's just kind of a tool that they use for communicating with their family, with the entire neighborhood. And I can't help but think they are only thinking of themselves. How could they not realize what this is doing to the peace of the neighborhood? You know, I, when I grew up, my father told me the horn is only an emergency device. You should not use it for anything but emergencies. But what does offending have to do with this passage? We've got meat served to idols. So I'm calling you the next time you're in the supermarket. You need to go to the butcher and ask the butcher if there's any history of idol worship in regard to your beef or pork or turkey. <clears throat> the entire passage is about how we express our freedom in Christ. We see Paul say, all things are lawful. And this was likely a quote from something that the Corinthians had mentioned in their letter to him as a quote that he may have used in the past it may have become a sort of mantra to them, the way that it's put in quotations. All things are lawful. All things are lawful. I'm going to go to that idol worship barbecue that my neighbor is throwing. You know, last week, Caleb was talking about how, you know, partnering in people in idol worship is not in line with the gospel. And now the second half of the verse is talking about the meat itself. And so... The Corinthians are wondering, how do they struggle with this? Okay, so I can't go to the idol worship barbecue, but I can eat the meat. I, but how do I know when? How do I know how to do this? They are having a tendency to be self-centered. And so Paul is reminding them that whenever they're in a quandary about this meat issue, that they should think of others and how how others will be affected or offended by what they're choosing to do. In Galatians 5.1, it says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then later in that chapter, verse 13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbor as yourself so what does meat serve to idols having to do with love your neighbor and how do we contextualize this for our supermarket society Paul quotes Psalm 24 in in the verse that says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He's saying that God made everything and 
and joy is creation. Saying when you pick up your meat in the marketplace, you don't need to give the butcher the third degree and ask where it came from. This meat is part of the fullness thereof on the earth, and it all belongs to the Lord. So enjoy the steak. Enjoy the meal that your neighbor cooks, and don't let it get in the way of your friendship. This week, we're speaking of things that the scripture does not explicitly state as sinful. And these things are freedoms that Christ has given us. God has told us we have freedom in many things. But how do we choose within the freedom to build one another up rather than defend? When we have freedom that Christ offers, we can misuse it. This misuse of our freedoms can cause others to stumble. If you remember back a few weeks when we were in Corinthians 8, we were reminded, take care that this right or freedom of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Now, for me, instantly as I read this passage, um, a situation came to mind about when I was in high school. I had just recently realized, um, coming through grade school, my parents had guarded what I listened to, and um, in high school, I all of a sudden realized that you can listen to music that is not true Christian music in, that you buy in a Christian bookstore, and you can listen to other music, and it's not sinful. And for me, that was just blew my mind. And, and so I, I really enjoyed this Cranberries album, and I was listening to it over and over. And uh, I had a friend who was a new believer, and he said, can, can you not play that album when I'm around? That I, it just brings back all these memories of parties that I went to and things that I was doing at those parties and it just doesn't build me up it you know, drags me down and um, thankfully because he was forthright in telling me that it was offending him um, I had the opportunity to serve him by not playing that music around him but for me it was a new freedom but I didn't realize that it was offending my brother. It's so easy to allow our self-centered attitudes to eclipse the feelings of those around us. So my second point is how to build someone up. Verse 23 says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Rather than a law of what to do and not to do, we're encouraged to seek the good of others above ourselves. As a reminder, the statement, all things are lawful, is referring to those things that are not explicitly listed as sins in the Bible. Paul had told the Corinthians, that there, are, there was freedom in those things. He's quoting back to their mantra, stating that they are to be aware as to how they should act. Is it building up my brother, or is it not? <clears throat> when was the last time that you sacrificed a freedom for the good of someone else? I've found parenting to be full of opportunities. 
to sacrifice things that I feel would build myself up versus what would build up my children. Maybe you find it easy some days to do this, uh, more difficult other days. I, I know I tend to have the same issues. We're, we're called to think of these type of relationships and how to build people up, not only within the Christian body, but also without. Uh, there are many ways that we could do this. Maybe you're having a meal with a friend who has a, an issue with alcoholism. You would choose not to have a beverage that might cause them to stumble. Maybe discussing certain movies um, would cause someone to stumble. Some people have very stringent ideas of what they believe is appropriate. And so we need to be careful that our own freedoms do not cause a brother or sister to stumble. In the passage, Paul references not wanting to offend Jews, Greeks, or the church. And with this reference, I'm reminded that we need to seek to not offend those people who are without the church as well. We can be a stumbling block to the gospel, to our gospel message, those who don't believe yet. Paul says, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. In our diverse neighborhoods, we need to be extra sensitive to cultural differences that we don't understand. We need to acknowledge that we have blind spots. We don't know what we don't know. Maybe your uh, your neighbor is a Muslim and you're having their family over for dinner, not having pork to make them comfortable in your own home. Uh, As for me, my Ethiopian neighbor, um, his son uh, offered to take care of our chickens and our cat while we were on vacation. And at the end of the trip, I went over to their house and uh, wanted to thank them for helping us out, and I offered to pay the the boy. And uh, my neighbor said... He said, I, I, we can't take money for this. And I said, oh, it's just, you know, thank you for, for taking care of our animals. And he said, no, it's, it's a cultural thing. We are called to care for our neighbors, and if I allow you to pay him, then he doesn't learn what I want him to learn in regard to you take your, care of your neighbors as yourself. And so I didn't realize that by trying to offer to pay him, I was causing offense. I just say this as a reminder that we have cultures that we have grown up in and that can lead to unique ways that we can be offended just like my adversity to horn honking it was a culture that I grew up in and someone else obviously did not grow up in that same culture God has called us to reach the nations and they are all around us one of the best ways that we can care for them is to get to know them. Find out what blesses them. Find out what bothers them. Then be an instrument that can build them up. We were given an example just in the last chapter. Paul explained that he gave up his right to ask for financial support from the Corinthians so that it wouldn't be a stumbling block to the gospel. He knew that this people group needed to be cared for in such a way that their financial support wouldn't cloud their vision and get in the way of the gospel. But we can only know what offends and what builds up 
if we know people. In our Seattle culture, I think we've become so self-centered that we see our surface relationships as knowing someone. Do you really know what bothers your brothers and sisters in Christ? We hear the term Seattle nice, and it refers to this facade of niceness, but then there's nothing deeper in our relationships. And how do we, how do we bridge that gap? Are we really seeking to know people? When I first moved out here to Seattle, um, I started volunteering with the youth group, and that's how Kim and I met. And uh, at first, um, I was wanting to get her attention and <laughs> get the attention of all the youth that I was involved with. And so I, I had a lot of shenanigans that I would do to kind of pull people's attention and to balance things on my face and just be goofy. Um, and it, it worked all right. Um, but <clears throat> as I realized that I liked Kim, I wanted to get her attention in the right ways. And I found out that actually I was hurting our relationship because she was offended by someone who kind of puts on a show. She sees that as very offensive. And so it wasn't actually until I got to know her that I realized that I was putting a huge stumbling block in our relationship by acting this way. Living lives when we're self-centered and just doing things the way that we think is the best, we just unintentionally end up offending people. We need to seek to know people on a, on a very deep level <clears throat> so we can bless them and cause them to build their relationship with God. <clears throat> Living self-centered lives is another way to deal with this. I don't want to you know, cause anyone to stumble, so I'm going to live in my little bubble, and I'm not going to really interact with anyone. That is another way to deal with the same thing. I don't want to be an offense to anyone, so I don't talk to anyone. We can be fooled into thinking that we're self-reliant. We don't need other people. But is that what God's called us to be? Is, has God called us to be silos? God has called us to, to bless one another and build one another up. The freedom to, that we might have as not wanting to offend anyone and have my own preferences can actually be a type of slavery to ourselves. We become blind in our self-reliance. <clears throat> he has built the church together for his glory in the way that we serve one another. And there's another way to respond to this that's kind of the flip. You can rely on others and serve others for the wrong reasons. When we only do things for the others that we know will be returned in like kind, when we only perform, perform acts of kindness with strings attached, we're becoming slaves to the responses of others. 
either our expectations will be dashed when they don't reciprocate or the expect the expectations are reinforced that we're getting what we need out of this relationship of you know I do this for them and I see that they do this for me it becomes a cycle of reliance upon others for our own comfort how do we escape these subtle slaveries the slavery of self the slavery of I don't want anyone to be in my life or the slavery of codependence where I only do things for others because I know they're going to do something for me that brings me to our third point how do we reconcile did you know that God cares for you so much that he came up with a solution to this bondage Jesus died on the cross so that you could be freed from this bondage for freedom Christ has set us free stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery remember the question at the end, at the beginning that I asked you who who is someone you have offended who has endured the most grievous offense of yours maybe you were thinking well what about me who cares for my needs when I'm giving up so much freedom for other people and there is there is someone who's given up the greatest of all freedoms on your behalf he lived 2,000 years ago and his name is Jesus he was thinking only of your good there wasn't any selfishness in his motivations Jesus gave up the riches of heaven and took your sin upon himself to reconcile you with the Father he has a desire to build you up into a full reliance on his spirit it is only when we realize what he has done for us that we can then give up our own freedom for others with the right motives I encourage you to look out for your fellow believers and seek ways to build them up and not cause them to stumble. And if you aren't seeing those ways, get to know them better. Spend the time and energy it requires to be in a relationship with someone. Jesus paid it all to know you, and because you are fully loved and accepted, with no strings attached you can be free to sacrifice your own freedoms for those around you after Jesus has transformed our motivations through his sacrifice then we can start with a fresh slate and serve those around us as you seek to reconcile with people relationships are complicated and so I'd like to just share a few tips on how to get to know people better and reconcile. Not all people process conflict the same way. So let's say you find yourself at odds with someone. Some people want time to process and other people want to get the discomfort out of the way like ripping off a bandage. And so if you are one of those two people and you're, the person that you're trying to reconcile with is the other, be sure to give room for that not everyone wants to have a, a head-to-head conversation. Some of you might, have, might recognize this from 
prepare and rich. Uh, it's one of those big uh, relationship conflict causers is the, type, the way that you deal with conflict. And so not everyone wants to have a head-to-head -head conversation right away. Give time for processing. Allow the relationship, allow conversation to happen. Sometimes give people time to just think things through. course, rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you in your relationships. The Spirit knows what's going on in other people's hearts and can guide you to make decisions that will build them up. Pray and ask His help in this. When you're wanting to build relationships, take the time to invest and pay attention to what people value. Seeing what they value will also give you hints as to what could offend them. Listen more than you speak. As I read the second half of Colossians 3, <clears throat> I'd like you to imagine the Christian community that God designed when we ask ourselves, who's going to meet my needs if I'm always giving up for other people? God designed his church to be a sacrificing image of what he is like, what he has done for the church. So remember that we are his body and we're representing him. And so the way that we, we love one another is a picture of what heaven will be like. Our needs will be met through Jesus, not through what others have done for us. So Colossians 3, 12. <clears throat> Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must so you also must forgive. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Just like the parallel from our verse, um, Verse 31, uh, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We'll give glory to God as we serve one another, allowing his spirit to call us to give up things, give up freedoms that we may have a right to for his glory. We have an opportunity to, to show the world how amazing God is, and that can be through our love for one another. Let's pray.
Father, I, I know that I so often am selfish. I seek my own good before the good of those around me. And Father, I, I don't want to act that way. And I just feel that selfishness has become a way of life. And Father, I want to build those up around me. Father, I want them to, to trust in you more and more every day. Father, may this be all of our prayer. May we confess that we put our own needs above those of others. Father, you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to meet all of our needs, to rescue us from the slavery of self. Father, may we be reminded as we come to the table that you sacrificed this so that we can be reconciled with the Father. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for that gift, and please help us to remember that that can be our motivation for all of life. In your name, amen.